I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903-586-6520. If you would like to support the ministry here at Fellowship Bible Church, we would greatly appreciate that as well. To give one time or on a regular basis, you can text GIVE to 903 903- 586-6520. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible-believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. When life, when life gives you lemons, what? Make lemonade. When the going gets tough, okay. every cloud has a silver lining. You're catching on. It's not about the cards you're dealt, but what? Yeah, how you play the hand, right? Each of these sayings, while different, communicate a similar message. They have to do with making the best out of a bad situation. How many of you have ever had to do that? Make lemonade when life gives you lemons. Yeah. Well, guess what? Our God does this all the time. He has to do it throughout biblical history. He has done it throughout world history, and He works in this way today. And the reason why is because while God is good, the world is not. While He is sovereign... The world is savage. While he is gracious, the world is godless. While he is faithful, mankind is fallen. While the world goes counter to God's will and ways all the time, God remains true to his promises and does not cease to work his will. All throughout God's word, we learn that he makes the best work out of the worst of situations. A continuing theme in the biblical story is that while the world is broken, God is at work in the midst of the mess, restoring that which is broken, redeeming that which is lost for His purposes, for our joy and for His own glory. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Judges. Judges is found in the Old Testament. In the history section of Scripture, as many of you know, our English Bibles are not arranged chronologically, but by types of literature. And in the Old Testament, it's divided up into this way. You have the law, then you have history, then you have poetry, then you have prophecy. Okay, The first five books are known as the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then you have the history section. Of course, the first five books include history as well. But uh, the history section begins with Joshua. And then you have the book of Judges right after that. And, and it, the, the period of the Judges we're going to talk about, it does occur 
chronologically after the time of Joshua. But for the rest of this year, we're going to be studying the book of Judges in a series that we are calling Faithful God in a Fallen World. In this book, we learn that at one of the darkest times in God's people's history, God remains faithful to His promises. Amen? That is a great word for us today. Now let me warn you before we begin, this book, while about a faithful and glorious God, contains content about unfaithful people at work in the most sinister of ways. This book contains some dark content. That is why many avoid preaching it in its entirety. While I, I, I am sure that some of you all who've been in the church for a, for a period of time, you've probably heard Sunday school lessons or even sermons about Samson, maybe even Deborah and, and Gideon. There are few of you, if any, who have heard a sermon preached chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the entire book of Judges. Not many of you probably in here. If Hollywood were to try to recreate what took place in Judges in an accurate way, many of us could not go see it because of the graphic content that is found in it. Some of you have read through this book. You may, even if you're, you're being honest, while you believe all of Scripture is inspired by God, you might have questioned at one time or another its placement in Scripture. Maybe you've, you've thought to yourself after reading through Judges, I know all of Scripture is God-breathed and profitable, but it's difficult for me to see what's beneficial about the events in the book of Judges. And if this is you, I'm glad you're here this morning. And I encourage you to stick with us throughout this study because we're going to discuss the benefit of the book of Judges over the next several months. This book is a single part of a much larger story that is unfolding. To try and understand the book of Judges, apart from where God's people have been under the leadership of Moses and then Joshua and where, where they are going in the book of Ruth and in the period of the kings and the coming of Jesus is to fail to view this book rightly, okay? While the majority of our time is going to be spent in Judges studying its structure and, and context and content and the applicable lessons we learn from the successes and failures of God's people, there are many lessons to be learned. We will also focus on the placement of this book in God's story of redemption, okay? We will draw from the previous narratives for a better understanding of this one, and we will focus on where God is leading His people and how He remains faithful through this tragic season in His story so that He can accomplish His great work of redemption through His Son. So we're going to keep that in mind throughout our study of Judges. Those lessons, along with the lessons in the book of Judges, will help us as we look for God's faithful work in our broken lives and in our fallen world. Okay, We're going to study the work of God in this tragic period in time, in, in and through broken lives and in this fallen world, to better understand the ways it work today, because He's not changed. Amen? 
is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there are many glorious lessons for us to learn today about the way in which God works in this world. Before we begin, let me just take a few minutes to give you a bit of background on the book. This will help you in the sermon today and in the ones to come. Now, I want to tell you today we're only going to cover two verses, all right? Don't get worried, all right? We're going to cover Judges a lot quicker than we did the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be covering a lot of real estate in the book each and every week, so get ready for that. But this morning, we're going to do more of an introduction into the book, okay? Let's start with who the author is. Who is the author of Judges? Well, the answer is we don't know for sure. We have some hints. Some have argued Samuel because this book was written after all these events were completed and during the time of the kings. And some of you are thinking, well, how do you know it was written during the time of the kings? Well, there's a statement within the book of Judges that says that the period of the Judges took place when there was no king in Israel, okay? So that phrase suggests that it was written during a time when there was, all right? So the book of Judges was written during the time of the kings about a period of time when there was no king. You with me? For this reason, Jewish tradition identifies Samuel as the author because he is the last of the judges who lived during the period of the judges and also during the time of the kings. This brings us to our next point. Who is the author writing to? Who is the audience? The audience is the Israelite people. After they settled in Canaan, after the kingdom was established. Okay? The author was no doubt one who had come through a period of time with the judges and is writing to an audience of a later time and context. And again, for those reasons, many believe Samuel to be the author and he's, many believe he's writing during the reign of King Saul, which helps us with the date. That's the next point. That would put the date around the 1020s B.C., okay? After Saul was chosen as king, the date of events recorded in the book of Judges takes place from the death of Joshua about 1245 to the 1070s. This book was believed by some to be written about 25 to 50 years after these events, so maybe around the 1020s. Type of book, we talked about that already. Judges is in the history section of Scripture after God's people enter into the land of promise and the events in Judges describe them settling in the land that God promised them, okay? It's after the death of Moses, we learned that, Joshua 1.1, and after the death of Joshua, Judges 1.1, we have the time of the Judges. And at this time, God's people, to, to, to start, they're leaderless, okay? They have God to lead them, but they're without a Moses or a Joshua. So what does God do? Well, He appoints judges to lead them. That is why the book is called Judges, okay? We're going to talk more about judges and who they are and, and what they did as we, we move on. But they're the appointed leaders at this time. So the book of Judges takes its title from men and a woman who served God by leading his people during this period from Joshua's death to the time of Samuel, okay? Now let's discuss the reasons Judges was written. There are several 
One is this. The author of Judges is writing to warn God's people of the dangers of being influenced by the godless. He is writing to share with the Israelites the dangers of following the course of the world and carrying out the desires of the flesh. He is informing them on what results when God's people turn from knowing, loving, and obeying God to doing what is right in their own eyes. We need these warnings, don't we? We are tempted today to drift from God's way to the ways of the world. We are tempted to follow the course of this world. We are tempted to drift from godliness and embrace the beliefs and practices of the godless. That is why time spent with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church each and every week, multiple times a week, are so important. This time is so important. This time is to be set aside, set aside for God's people to, to gather together to be redirected by God's Word toward what is right and true from God's Word after a week spent in the world that is counter to God's Word. All right? This time is the time we have set aside for you to be established in truth and equipped for ministry so that you can be prepared to shine the light of God's gospel in this dark and dead world. It's important for us today. It was important in this day as well. And this is one of the reasons why this author, possibly Samuel, is writing Judges. He's also writing to show God's people how he had saved them through his judges. Believe it or not, while this book covers a very dark and sad time in God's people's history, get this, a major emphasis in the book of Judges is the grace of God. When people hear the title Judges, what do they think? They think judgment, right? While there is judgment in Judges, there is an even greater emphasis on the grace of God. We're going to be focusing a lot on God's grace in our study. Timothy Keller, in his great commentary on Judges, a book I will quote quite a bit in this series, he says this, look at this quote on the screen. Judges is about a God of mercy and long-suffering who continually works in and through us despite our constant resistance to His purposes. It's a historical recounting of how God works to rescue His undeserving people through and out of the mess their sin brings them into grace of God. So this book is about how God saves His people from their enemies through His appointed judges. We will also learn in this book that the judges that God sends His people, they are flawed. They are flawed. That brings us to our next point. We learn in Judges, the best of leaders are broken. J.D. Greer has a great sermon series in Right Now Media. You can go check out on Judges. It's entitled, Broken Saviors. The best of leaders are broken. God's people are in need, get this, of a perfect Savior. The Old Testament is just driving this point home. When you read about these, even the best of leaders, how flawed they are, it's meant to drive home the need for a perfect Savior. Savior. I hope you see that. We're going to emphasize that. And praise be to God, God will eventually send him a perfect 
Savior. More on that in just a moment. But the book of Judges is written to remind God's people that the best of leaders are broken and to point God's people to their need for a perfect Savior. That's the last one. To point God's people to their need for a perfect Savior. Now let's look at some of the main themes in the book of Judges. First main theme is this. No matter how things appear, God is at work in tough times for our joy and His glory. The title of this sermon series is Faithful God in a Fallen World. While God seems absent in Judges, especially at times in Judges, by taking a closer and more careful look and while we examine His work surrounding this book and the, the, the events leading up to this time in history and what God does later through Ruth and what He does through the period of the kings and what He does in sending Jesus, we find that God is anything but absent in the book of Judges. He is very much present and He is at work. He works His will through wicked and weak people and despite wicked and weak people for His purposes in glory. His purposes, God's purposes are never thwarted regardless of appearances. Okay? That goes for today. That is good news for us. You ever question God when times get tough and your days get hard? Have you ever asked, God, where are you? Are you there? I know I'm to believe you're there, but it doesn't feel like it. Do you care? What we learn in Scripture throughout history and today is that He's there and He is at work. When it seems as if God is absent, those are the times we find He is very much present and very much at work. No matter how hard things appear, God is at work in tough times for the good of His people and for His own glory. We'll see that all throughout the book of Judges, and it'll get pretty dark. Second, God gives grace to the undeserving. That deserves a big amen by all of us who are undeserving. Amen? And this broken leader here, it's good news. Like we said a moment ago, while when we hear judges, we think judgment, this book is as much about the grace of God as anything. This book is about people who deserve judgment, who receive salvation. People who do not seek the Lord, but are shown unmerited and undeserved favor by God. It's a story of how God graciously works in the hearts and lives of and for the sake of sinful man to restore and redeem. It's our story. It's our story, believers. Another theme from Judges is this. God desires our complete allegiance. He commands it. We'll talk about this more next week. We'll learn that partial Obedience to the commands of God is complete disobedience and deserving of God's judgment. Partial obedience carries with it severe 
consequences. There are consequences when one fails to obey God in full. We learn from this book that God is the one who rules His people and He wants all of them or nothing at all. Same goes for you and me. God wants our lives. He desires our complete allegiance. He demands it, right? Next point. While God sends saviors, they are flawed. There it is again. God sends saviors, but they are flawed. While this book is filled with stories of saviors God appointed for His people, they are broken. We see this throughout the Old Testament. Chapter after chapter, book after book of leaders God chooses and commissions, prophets, priests, and kings, who while some of them may be faithful, are still flawed, damaged, and broken. We are reminded again in Judges that while these leaders are used by God to begin delivering God's people, God's people are still in need of a true and better judge, a true and better deliverer, a true and better king, a true and better savior. Next point. God will send a savior who is perfect. We see this hinted at. In the book of Judges, God promises He will save through sending His true and perfect Savior. And in the New Testament, we learn that He delivers on this promise in the sending of His Son. We are told that in Samson's account that he was to begin to deliver God's people from the Philistines. But... But his work is incomplete even in that task. And he can't ultimately deliver God's people. We need a true and perfect Savior to do that. And God delivers on that promise. So those are some important themes in the book that we will return to again and again as we study this book together. Before we jump in, chapter 1. One more thing. Let's look quickly at the outline of the book. You have this outline in in your... uh, um, bulletin that you received on the way in, you can just slide that in the book of Judges. Judges is pretty easy to outline. You have a two-part introduction at the beginning of the book, a two-part epilogue at the end, and a detailed narrative on the different judges in between, okay? So we've got the first part of the introduction we'll look at next week in chapter 1 through 2, verse 5, and we'll learn about the problem with partial obedience. God's people are called by God to drive their enemies from the land that He promised them. God tells them if, if they will trust Him, He will do this work through Him, through them. All they have to do is trust Him to do this work. They do not, and there are consequences that come as a result. So we're going to talk about that. And then in the second part of the introduction, we'll talk about those consequences that come, the results from partial obedience. In part two, we'll see the consequences of God's people's failure to drive the Canaanites from the land that God gave to them. And then we'll get into the heart of the book, the narrative of the different judges. And we're going to look at some judges that are familiar to you, right? We're going to look at Samson and Gideon and Deborah, and we're also going to look at Othniel. Anybody studied him lately? Ehud, maybe. How about Shamgar? Anybody 
Ever heard a sermon on Shamgar? Well, we're going we're gonna to change that for you. I don't have a whole sermon on Shamgar, but a little bit on him. All right. We will then, after that, will end in a pretty dark place with God's people spiraling out of control and becoming less and less like God's people and more and more like the godless pagans surrounding them. We will look at how they continue to drift religiously and fall morally. We will end with religious disorder and moral chaos. So that's what you have to look forward to, okay? Try to end before Christmas. Maybe we'll have a more uplifting message on Christmas. No, it'll be uplifting. This will. And the reason why this message is, while it ends dark and in, in darkness and, and, and very, very sad, there's hope because we read it, believers, with New Testament eyes. Amen? Which is the way we should always study the Old Testament. We must study the Old Testament in light of what Christ has done and seek to understand it in its proper place in God's story of redemption. We will do that throughout this study. And right now today, as we begin by studying who will lead God's people as they settle in the land that God promised them. So let's get into it. How's that for an introduction? All right. Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. Who shall lead God's people? It's very important to have a good leader, isn't it? Where would a sports team be without a team captain or their coach? Where would employees be without their boss? Oftentimes, when one leader steps down, people, people eagerly want to know who the next leader is going to be. If a sports team loses its coach or team captain, they, they want to know. Who's going to be the next to, to lead us? When a boss retires, employees want to know who will take his or her place. That, that really changes things sometimes when a, when, when a boss changes. When a preacher resigns or moves on to another church, people ask who will be the next to shepherd us at this church. That question is asked at the beginning of the book of Judges. Okay? Judges, like the book before it, Joshua begins in the same way, with the death of a very important leader. Joshua 1.1 begins with, after the death of Moses. Judges 1.1 begins with, after the death of Joshua. Both Moses and Joshua, as many of you know, two key figures in God's story of redemption. Therefore, their deaths are very important events in God's people's History. At the beginning of Judges, we have a similar question to be answered as was asked in the book of Joshua. Who will lead us? Who will lead God's people? They were delivered from Egyptian bondage by God through Moses. Moses led them out of Egypt and to the edge of the land of promise. And then he died. And God's people were at a loss at who would lead them going forward. They're, they know they're called to take the land, but they had concerns over who would get them there after Moses' death. And God alleviates those concerns, making it clear Joshua is going to lead them going forward. Joshua does, into the land of promise. And at the beginning of Judges, we have Joshua is now dead. And while God's people, once again, know what they've been called to do, they're concerned about how they will do it. Now let me take you back quickly to Joshua Chapter 23, this is the end of Joshua's life. 
And I want to read to you what he says to them. Joshua 23, beginning in verse 2. Joshua says, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. Verse 5 of Joshua 23. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Okay? So in Joshua, God makes it clear that while Moses' servant is dead, Joshua is to arise, lead his people through the Jordan. He does so miraculously into the land he promised. Joshua does that. At the end of Joshua's life, he makes it clear that while he will soon be dead, God's people, Israel, are to possess the entire land and trust that God will push back their enemies and drive them out because that's what God promised he would do. And while they know that this is what God has commanded them, they're wondering, who is going to lead us to do this? Who's going to be our Moses? Who's going to be our Joshua? Look at verse 1 of Judges 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? So when seeking answers to the question of who shall lead them, notice they seek the Lord. That's a good thing. That's a good start, right? Very good start. They looked to the Lord to provide them with one who would lead them to drive out their enemies. Who do you go to in your time of need? Who do you seek first? Who do you call upon? Who do you turn to and trust in most when tough times come? You turn to the Lord. Is your first response to, to seek Him? Well, it's not bad to seek out those God is uniquely gifted to help in tough times. We learn here our first response is to look to the Lord, right? To seek Him for help. At the beginning of this book, we see the Lord is their leader, right? Their supreme leader. They seek Him for answers on how to proceed. If they would have just continued down this path, the book of Judges would be a lot different. Unfortunately, they do not, right? We'll get to that. But here, at the first, they're seeking the Lord for help. And notice his response. Very important, don't gloss over it. Verse 2, the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. Who shall lead us? Judah. Judah shall lead his people. Don't gloss over that too quickly. Remember we learn at the end of Judges, that this book was written when there was no king in Israel, right? When there is a king in Israel, at first, it's the people's king, Saul, from the tribe of Benjamin. And while Saul was successful militarily, he was an utter failure spiritually. And so God replaces Saul with his man, a man by the name of David, from the tribe of Judah. Now, God choosing Judah 
should not be a surprise to anyone knowledgeable of their Old Testament. All the way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis 49, Judah is told by God, Judah, your brothers shall praise you, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. A king will come from Judah. A leader will come from Judah. A savior will come from Judah. Look at this quote, Barry Webb. Another great commentary I'm going to be quoting from a lot in this series. Great commentary on judges. Judah had always been desired for leadership, but until this time, none of that nation's leaders had been Judaites. Moses was not from the tribe of Judah, nor was Joshua. Judges is, in effect, an announcement that the time has come for this to begin to happen. Not only did the tribe of Judah lead the other tribes after Joshua's death, but Othniel, the first judge, was from Judah. Something begins here in Judges that has its outworking in David and eventually in Jesus, the great son of David, Israel's Messiah, and the one hailed in the book of Revelation as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Revelation 5.5. So we have the start here of Judah taking the lead. From Judah comes King David, from David, King Jesus. Jesus from Judah was sent from the Father to lead us. He is God's forever King, the King of kings, the head of the church, the Lord of our lives, believers, the God of all creation. God says Judah shall lead into the way, into the land of promise, foreshadowing one to come from Judah who will lead repentant sinners trusting in him alone for salvation into a true and better land of promise. Isn't God's word awesome? Can't gloss over those verses. You got to camp out. There's a lot there. In a difficult time, and God's people's history, after losing a great leader in Joshua, God shows His people that He is in complete control. He shows them here the kind of leadership that they will need in the days ahead. They'll need one better than Moses, better than Joshua, better than a judge like Othniel, better than a king like David. They would need a savior like Jesus. And he would come from the tribe of Judah to deliver his people from sin and death and into the promised land of God's kingdom in glory. Where's your hope today? Who is it in? God wants us to look to Jesus. He wants our trust to be in His Son. Only in Jesus do we experience abundant life and joy that is everlasting. There was a time in history when Jesus, the eternal Son of God, stepped into this world. He took on flesh. He became one of us. He came from Judah to represent us. He came from heaven to save us. He was like us in every way, yet He was perfect without sin. He was not a broken Savior, but a perfect Savior who allowed Himself to be broken for us. Jesus 
gave His life away. He took the punishment of sin that we deserve. He laid His life down so that we, through faith alone in Him alone, could be forgiven of sin and restored to a right relationship with the living God forever. If you are here this morning, if you're listening online, you're not trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, I pray that you would this morning. I pray you would make the decision to turn from your sin and run to Christ, cling to Christ, place your faith and trust in Him alone, and be saved today. Let's pray together.